A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to St. Timothy in the second chapter. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings should be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high position, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. <clears throat> Later this week, I will be celebrating my 10th anniversary as a monastic. Now, there are lots of images in our heads about what it's like to be a monk, but really it all boils down to this. Monasticism creates space for me to learn how to follow Jesus more closely. There's many ways, many practices, many spiritualities that can do that, but for me, the life of the monk, a life of vows and spiritual disciplines and obedience, that is what keeps me close to Christ. There was an Irish monk from the 6th century named Columkill, and he said, Since all the world's a story, it would be better for you to buy the story that endures than the one that fades away. So this morning, I would like to tell you a story. Now, you probably already know who this story is about, but I'm going to try and take away some of the distracting names and places so that you can just listen and hear the story. Our story begins in a town that is a lot like Lexington, a fairly prosperous city, very urban, very metropolitan, but not a capital. It's not the center of anything. And in that town, there's a man named Peter. Peter owns a clothing store. He makes and mends high-end clothing, sort of a bespoke entrepreneur in our jargon. Peter and his wife had only one child, a son who they named Francis. Peter wanted only the best things for his son, and he made sure that he had everything that he wanted all of the time. And Francis grew up, well, very spoiled. As an adolescent, he was very popular, but he was also very worldly, fighting and drinking, carousing, crude, and particularly cruel to both the poor and to the sick. In fact, as a result of all of this machismo, as a result of all of this, this fighting, he ended up in jail for more than a year, and while he was there, he got sick. He was on death's doorstep when his family finally raised enough money to bail him out, and he spent months recovering from this illness. But when he was well enough Again, he tried to return to that, that life full of worldly pleasures, but he found that the things that once brought him joy now felt hollow and cheap. 
His mother was religious, so he decided that he was going to go to church with her. But as he sat there in the grand basilica in the center of town, surrounded by all of the the imagery and the opulence, he couldn't feel God's presence. So during the week, he started to travel around to small village churches. And it was there, surrounded by everyday, ordinary people, that Francis learned how to pray. He started attending regularly at a tiny chapel called St. Damien's. The priest there was a kind man who genuinely loved Francis and all of his parishioners. In this tiny, rustic, falling apart chapel, there was an old icon of Jesus with his apostles. It retold the story of our Lord's passion and resurrection. And one day, while Francis was all alone praying and meditating on this icon, he heard the voice of Jesus speak to him. Our Lord said, Rebuild my church, which you can see has fallen into ruins. Now, you've probably already guessed that this is the story of Francis of Assisi. These stories about St. Francis are, are well known. We've heard them all before. We've read many of them before. You've probably even seen one of a dozen or more films about them before. I love the story of St. Francis. My way of monasticism, my spirituality has been shaped by his life and his story. But what is amazing about the story of St. Francis is not that he used to preach to birds or that he converted a wolf or that he founded a religious order or that he received the stigmata or that he traveled to the Holy Land on his own in the middle of the Crusades in order to preach the gospel. What makes the life of St. Francis such a powerful story is that in Francis, we see a life that is overflowing with the love of Christ. To Francis, living is living out Christ's love. And so for us to see Francis is to see the way that Christ loves. When I began my journey as a monk, my formation director told me a story about St. Francis, and it's a fairly obscure story. It's not in any of the movies or the, the biographies. You may not have ever encountered this story, but it had a profound impact on me. And so I want to share it with you today. It goes like this. Brother Francis and Brother Gil were traveling together one day. And as the day began to turn into night, they arrived at a small village and looked for a place to sleep. There was no inn in the village, and they couldn't have afforded a room in an inn anyway. The local church was still some miles off, and it was a small village. Now, in those days, it was was uncommon for individual households to have their own ovens. Instead, the town had a large communal brick oven, usually in the center of the village square. And the whole community would share and use and tend that brick oven all day long. But at night, when the heat began to fade away, the poor people who lived in the community would crawl inside the oven to rest and to sleep on the warm bricks inside. And so that night, Brother Francis and Brother Gill did exactly that. Francis lay there in the dark for some time, unable to fall asleep. He looked around, and he saw shapes and figures in the dark. But he couldn't 
make any of them out clearly. There was no distinction between the shapes that he saw. They were all just people huddled together in the shadows, jostling against each other in the shadows, trying to keep warm, trying to be safe. And then as Francis was laying there, he heard the voice of Jesus again, just like he did on that day in St. Damien's. From now on, Jesus said, these are your brothers and sisters. Not poor, not sick, not needy, not sinners. Jesus said to him, from now on, these are your brothers and sisters. All there, together in the dark, were brothers and sisters, leaning close together for warmth and for comfort. And Francis realized that this is exactly why Christ came among us, to become like one of these, poor and alone and forgotten and abused. He took all of that onto himself so that in himself he could begin to heal it in me and in you, in us. And through us, to continue that work of healing and justice and restoration. See, I love Francis because he had this crazy idea. He read the gospel, and then he imagined that Jesus actually meant all of those things that he said. Crazy, right? That he really meant stop striving after food and clothing and being consumed by worry and anxiety. Instead, invest your whole self in God's kingdom. Or deny yourself... Take up your cross and follow me. Or the things that you treasure reveal what you really love. What Francis realized in the oven that night is that the gospel is not at all the sort of story that we would expect. It's not the story of a king who leads a mighty army and conquers the world. The gospel The good news is that God himself stepped into the cold, hungry, anxious, frustrated darkness of our oven, becoming one of us so that he could show us the way home. And that is a story that endures. That is a story that changes the world. This insane idea that if you and I will pick up our own cross, if we will have the courage to leave behind our safety and security and comfort and walk in the way that Christ has led, that story will change our world. And it will change our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our classrooms and our homes That story will change our hearts. That is a story that's worth holding on to. We pray with me. Father, send your spirit to open our eyes. Help us to see the city as you see it. Help us to see our neighbors as you see them. Help us to see our loved ones as you see them. Jesus, give us hearts to love 
our neighbors as you love them. Transform our homes and our parish and our community into a place where your name is honored. Let your kingdom come and let it begin here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.